in these exciting times of AI in healthcare, we probably need to stop and ask, is, is this legal? Technology is reshaping how we do a lot of professional services around the world. It's impacting the legal system, education, and of course, healthcare. Once the buzz wears off from all the hype, how do we go about understanding the legislative requirements and the legal implications of emerging technologies in healthcare for the vendors creating the technology and the providers using it? Well, with me today is Miklof Zorkowski, a lawyer, lecturer and advocate for legal tech and health tech innovations, and he's based in Hungary. In this episode, we talk about the complexities of AI in healthcare and legal tech, how do you prepare for upcoming AI legislation in the EU and the challenges and opportunities for healthcare providers to uncover unbiased data in this new legislative landscape? Collaboration starts with the conversation, Team Health Tech. Let's make it happen. This is Talking Health Tech with me, Peter Birch, featuring content and community about technology in healthcare. Between now and the end of June, we're conducting the 2024 Talking Health Tech audience survey. This helps us prioritize content, hone in key messages, and refine the show to make it even better. We also want to understand who the biggest cohorts of our audience are. So I'd love for you to take five or 10 minutes to have your say and complete the survey. Everyone who completes it goes in the draw to win a share of $1,000 worth of THT Plus membership credits to put towards a membership for yourself as an individual, or to help get the word out about your company. The link to complete the survey is in the show notes of this episode, or just go to talkinghealthtech.com slash survey. Miklos, how are you going? Yeah, it's fine. Good Good to have you here. Very good. Better now I'm talking to you, buddy. So it's great to be able to find a mutually okay time on the world clock for us to speak because I'm here in Sydney and you're all the way over in Hungary. Is that right? Yeah. In the middle of Europe. Yeah. 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 Right. And so before we dive into some of these discussion points, because we just spent half the time talking about it all then, because it's great to connect with you and learn about what's happening in health and regulation and, and legal and everything else uh, and commercialization in, in Europe. But for those that don't know you, Miklos, or maybe they're not in the THT Plus community and haven't seen your post there, introduce yourself. Tell us what you do. Just before I start, I like THT community very much. It's a so open community, so you must join if you are not a member. <laughs> you know, you're always welcome to uh, to come back on the podcast if you start with a, a plug to join the community. So uh, that's a great way to start. <laughs> so back to me, I'm a lawyer. I'm working in Europe and I support legal tech and health tech innovations and developments. I learned some Python coding just to have a better understanding how AI design should be ethic and trustworthy. I do lecturing in a legal tech skill center in a Hungarian-based university. I mentor legal tech and health tech projects in a startup academy also in Hungary. You can tell the type of person someone is when they're like that inquisitive, hands-on type person, when they're trying to learn about a particular area, so they become professionally proficient at it, you know, like you wanted to learn about AI and, and the technology side, so you learn Python coding. But tell me a bit more about that specifically. What got you so interested about really kind of diving into that particular area? Because there's a lot of stuff you could cover you know, on the legal side. Yeah, absolutely. AI is international. So mm. wherever in the world you work, you are now a subject to AI and also you need to deal with AI uh, problems. And if you are a lawyer in uh, Hungary and working in a specific jurisdiction, you still have 
international problems with AI tools and especially in medical devices and also in legal tech tools. So it's very common. It's very popular. You can do work anywhere in the world uh, with these AI and tech problems and legal uh, aspects. I was going to say, actually, you brought up a good point in that, that I've, I'm not connected closely to it, but that whole point of AI and legal tech raises really interesting, is it challenges? Is it opportunities? What, what, what's the whole conversational AI and the, and, the, and the speed in which that kind of stuff is entering the legal space? How's that having an impact? Yeah, so the first problem is we don't have a definition by the law. Mm. So how do you treat AI if you don't have a, a single definition for it? But there is a draft regulation in the pipeline in the EU. So, you know, EU, first we do legislation and then get some experience how it works in real life. But it could be applicable within uh, 18 months after the adoption of it. And uh, it will have a definition, uh, finally. And it says that an AI system is a software, which is good, that is developed by a technique of machine learning approaches. Again, something tech, about the tech, including wide variety of deep learning or logic or knowledge-based approaches, expert systems or statistical approaches, and can generate outputs and their human-based objectives to make content, predictions, recommendations, decisions influencing the environments they interact with. So how to comply with the AI Act and how to export, for example, an AI solution from your country that meets all the requirements. So if you want to export the solution to the EU first, there are community laws of the EU to comply with. As uh, you know, the General Data Protection Regulation, which was uh, established five years ago. At least we have Data Protection Act and it was the first in the world. Oh, this is GDPR, right? It was the GDPR, yes. Yeah. Um, so back to the AI, secondly, there are laws of the member states to comply with the local law. So uh, within the EU, there are 27 different local law, <laughs> the local jurisdiction, which is not easy to comply with. But on the level of EU law, if you get a certificate like a CE certificate, then you can do commercial activity in the single uh, European market. So you need first to comply with the EU law, then to the local law, and, and then you can roll out your activity around the uh, European yeah. market. The Talking Health Tech podcast has evolved a lot over the years, all based on audience feedback. Now I need your help, yes you, to shape the future of this show. Between now and the end of June, we're running our biggest campaign to date in order to understand what makes the global healthcare ecosystem tick. Last time we ran our Talking Health Tech audience survey, we learnt 40% of our audience are clinicians, 77% of our audience tune in for professional development and market awareness, 8% of people listen to Talking Health Tech for competitor profiling, and only 2% of people listen to the podcast to fall asleep. And this time around, I can't wait to find out about your preferences for audio versus video content, which topics we should dive into more preferences for hosts and formats and geographical reach and so much more. And don't worry, we'll be sharing all the insights once all the responses are collected as well. So if you're a supporter of Talking Health Tech and you can spare five or 10 minutes, please complete our 2024 audience survey. 
and to say thanks for your input. Everyone who completes the survey goes into the draw to win a share of $1,000 worth of credits towards THT Plus membership. Go to talkinghealthtech.com slash survey or the links in the show notes of this episode as well. I want to come back to the CE thing in a second and commercializing in Europe because that, that's an interesting conversation in itself. Coming back to the AI and, and this AI law, AI legislation, it sounds like it's a pretty all-encompassing thing that's, that's addressing areas of risk. And I imagine healthcare is one of those areas of risk that would have implications by this legislation. Yeah, this, uh, this AI act, uh, the healthcare activity will be uh, treated as a high-risk activity. But what does it mean? If a medical solution is treated as a high-risk activity, you need to have a risk management system, and it should be implemented and maintained within the system. You need to do training, you need to have a validation and testing data sets, which shall have appropriate data governance practices. You need to have technical documentation, which is obvious. Uh, Everywhere around the world, you need documentation but it shall be drawn up before the system is placed and you need to submit it to authorities. It shall be designed uh, to record uh, events automatically. Login files, everything must be recorded. Just in case of trouble, you need to be accountable. Under the meaning of transparency, the user must be informed on the details of the provider and the system. A human-machine interface tool must be developed to have an appropriate human oversight to minimize risk to health, safety, and fundamental rights. And also, you need to comply with the cybersecurity requirements. The providers shall have a quality management system. A conformity assessment shall be made before the registration made by the authority. And also, you need to report all the incidents that you have. The authority. So the good news is that there will be an AI regulatory sandboxes for those startuppers and startups who want to have a controlled environment for the facilities of the development and the testing and validation of innovative AI system before their placement on the market. So in this way, EU and the legislation will help startuppers to to entry to the market, which is you know very very hard because you you need data for this. Uh, AI is uh, data and algorithms, uh, which, uh, and as a result of it, uh, uh, you will have a software. But in healthcare, uh, it's very, very hard to get to data, Mm. proper data, quality data. Yeah, and... and, um... You know, distributed or non-biased, you know, as well is is a real issue. The... um... That's an interesting point that you raised that, you know, it's a good opportunity for, it creates an opportunity for startups. uh, And it's not often that you hear about uh, additional regulation or anything that that, um, creates more of an opportunity for startups as opposed to creating more kind of costs and barriers and delays and everything. So perhaps by having definitions and a structure and resources available, it's, uh, it, it, um, it makes it less of a wild, wild west and, and it creates more of a structure and, and gives some trust to the whole process as well, I imagine. Absolutely. And uh, from uh, my member state uh, perspective, so in Hungary, uh, we have a national e-health infrastructure, and this is a single one, single system. All the healthcare data, even if it's a government or hospital or if it's a private sector hospital, 
it's uh, recorded in one single uh, healthcare e-healthcare hmm. system. Hmm. So um, it, it it could be uh, a huge advantage mm. over other member states or even larger countries uh, which are divided into regions or smaller provider and bank bankroller units. Uh, so uh, in and as a national health insurance fund and as a national e-health infrastructure, the national public health care are in uh, one management, data management and data governance. Mm -hmm. So uh, if you need data uh, as a startup, uh, you can just join one single system and then yeah. um, it's... Uh, it's um, uh, Interesting. They are very happy if uh, if they have uh, uh, solutions to improve uh, in sure. improve the the healthcare activity. And if I think a little bit strategically or look ahead and think about the global implications of this this regulation and, and legislation and things coming through, you know, you touched on GDPR really quickly, and that one it impacts it's for anyone in in Europe. However. As an organization from outside of Europe, even in Australia, where we're not bound necessarily by GDPR for data in Australia, that that's just, you know, we have our own rules. A lot of organizations, even if they have plans, eventually they're not even in Europe now, but they have plans to move into Europe. They'll, they'll make sure they're compliant with GDPR. And you hear about organizations in the US, they, they're like, well, we may as well be GDPR because, you know, it, it's a, it's a globalized world and people jump onto our website from anywhere in Europe or they expect that legislation's going to go that way anyway in the US because you know it already has happened with GDPR. So the reason I bring that up is that there could be a similar kind of trend too. Is that the the world might end up following and see the lessons learned out of this kind of structure that's being created at a at a very large institutional level around AI uh, and and potentially be something that's that's rolled out in other countries too. Absolutely. So imagine that uh, this GDPR has a principle that the uh, data process must, must be transparent. But mm. uh, uh, without having uh, such uh, AI uh, uh, acts, uh, there are the data uh, control and there is a data process. So it uh, needs to be transparent. But um, what does transparency uh, mean? So is it a kind of uh, accountability? Uh, or, or what should we do with this uh, transparency principle according to the AI? So um, I would say that transparency means that an expert is able to translate, let's say, interpret uh, from the input and output data what happens between the two endpoints and why it comes to this conclusion. So uh, is there any legislation that demonstrates uh, what makes a code uh, interpretable? Would an algorithm become transparent if the code was published? Mm. Is ethical design simply the economic interest of the developer or just to build trust in his product? So uh, these are questions after questions. We have, you know, uh, the, the current law uh, you need to comply with, and uh, we will see what happens when this uh, uh, forthcoming AI law will be in place. Mm. It has very, very similar uh, principles like transparency, accountability, explainability, 
So this is not new for us. Yeah. Uh, but you know, we will see how it worked in practice. Interesting to watch. Um, and then I think, you know, as, as an organization from outside of Australia, if I was say a medical device manufacturer and I was looking at entering into Europe, you know, I've seen it, at, at, around the traps there's the 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 importance of the ce mark uh is that so for organizations that go into europe they need to be is it certified ce what's what's that about yeah this is a certificate uh, you need to uh, get before any commercial activity and it's given by an authority and it's uh, recorded so any and... any commercial activity at all not yeah. like not, not a medical device thing it's uh, basically any any activity any any yeah, yeah. And uh, once you have this certificate, it's free uh, to go to the EU market. You need a local authorization, of course, and in such uh, medical devices, you need to reg register uh, your product into an EU registry called EUDOMED, EUDOMED mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. for uh, European uh, medical devices. But first, it starts with the local authority uh, to, to get the license. And then you can go out. And when you say local, that's like in that particular country. Yeah, in a, in in a, in one country. Yeah, mm. within the EU. Got you, got you. And so you know, thinking about then the the, the future or or where you're spending some of your time, whether it's with clients or with your 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 you know within your lectures or what the, in the activities you're performing on a day to day, what are you seeing are the common uh, questions, uncertainties, or or um, the, the excitement around all of these changes, what's in the wings, where do you see this kind of going and, and, and what does the future look like? Yeah, you know, the key is still the data, how to get to mm. the data. So in, in, in some uh, other countries, uh, they believe that data is a, a, a common asset and not uh, the individual's right to, to be uh, protected. In EU, we protect data, and in Western countries, mostly the data are protected by the law. Even uh, you can do some uh, commercials, uh, even uh, you can sell it. But mm. uh, if you are sick, if you are a patient, uh, you want to uh, be cured, and you can sell your data if you wanted to. Um, but you know uh, this must be uh, must be free and up to your decision, up to your consent. Uh, by the law, uh, we protect data, and therefore it's very very hard for a startup company, for example, to get to the data. And it's very very important that the uh, data is uh, is without uh, bias. Yes, bias could be if uh, there are not uh, enough patients in the database to learn uh, for a machine. Um, it could be uh, a database could be biased if uh, there are uh, there are just uh, certain types of uh, of uh, of uh, local communities and not for worldwide communities because it will mm. be uh, it, it will not uh, be trained in a proper way. Yes. So the key is the data, how to get to the data, to, to train a system, to, uh, uh, so this is the key, key question, I think, uh, around the world.
I was going around the world, right? It's it's an interest. It's it's funny how we have this conversation on on um, opposite sides of the world, and in the end, it's it, quite often it comes back to the data. It's a challenge that we're all facing. So, um, look, Miklos, I I'm I love that we're able to make the time to have a chat on the podcast, and um, we should definitely do it again soon. And come and perhaps it's you know when the this uh, law comes into you know being around the corner or in full effect, and I'm sure there are many. Uh, within the the broader Talking Health Tech audience, or of course in the THT Plus community, that'd be interested to speak more. So we'll put your details in the show notes of this episode, and I'm sure others will be in touch. And look forward to continuing the conversations within the community soon. Thanks so much. I always like to speak to any of you. You are very open, and and I like it very much to share uh, honestly your experiences. Of course, keeping the confidentiality, but. You know, this is a very good community. I like to uh, to speak to anytime. Hey, thanks for sticking around to the end of this episode. If you made it this far, you're the perfect person that I want to hear from. Our THT Plus audience survey is now open until the end of June, and I personally read every submission. In fact, if you leave a comment in the survey that you heard this promotion in a podcast episode, I promise I'll reply directly to you by email with a personal note of thanks. And I'll even buy your coffee next time I see you in person. It's pretty easy. Just go to talkinghealthtech.com slash survey and have your say. For more content and community about technology and healthcare, visit talkinghealthtech.com.